This message comes from NPR sponsor Comcast Business. Is it possible to get business internet you can really rely on? It is with 99.9% network reliability from Comcast Business. Powering possibilities. You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Okay. Hey, Shortwavers, Emily Kwong here. I am talking to you through a microphone powered by a battery. You know batteries. They store chemical energy and turn it into electrical energy to power your phone, your remote control, and most certainly this interview we did a few weeks ago at the American Association for the Advancement of Science, or AAAS, annual conference. We are live at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center in D.C. With I was joined on stage by Bill David, an STFC senior fellow at Rutherford Appleton Laboratory and professor of energy materials at the University of Oxford in the U.K. Back in the day, he was part of a research team that helped develop the lithium battery. And now he focuses on clean energy storage. Storing it so it's in the right place at the right time for the right people. I also got to interview Serena Cusson, a next-generation battery innovator and professor in energy storage materials. She heads up that department at the University of Sheffield, also in the UK. I get to work looking at solutions for energy storage and developing the next generation of materials that will form part of that fabric of net zero in the future. You know, so often the focus of climate conversations is on energy production, right? Wind, solar, nuclear. How are we going to power the planet in a green way? But Serena and Bill made us all think about green energy storage. Because what's the point of generating power if you can't store it in a clean way? How do we make sure that we store that energy in such a way that when the wind isn't blowing, the sun isn't shining, that we have access to the energy that we need to carry out our day-to-day tasks? And Serena thinks there's no one-size-fits-all solution. No one battery to rule them all. One of the things that we have to keep in our minds is... What do you want and what can you have? You know, you've got to think about the, the, the plethora of storage technologies that might be available, the renewables that you want to make the most advantage of, and then what can you do to bring all of this together? Live from the SciMic stage at AAAS, we ride the carousel of clean energy storage options for the future and glimpse the materials that might one day power the world. This is Shortwave from NPR. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This message is brought to you by Apple Pay. Fussing with plastic cards should be a thing of the past. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple Pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the Wallet app and you're good to go. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. All right, so when I think of a battery, my mind beelines to those double A's rattling around in that one drawer in my kitchen. Short-term energy storage that lasts a few hours. But talking to Bill and Serena, 
I realized modern society is also powered by long-term energy storage that lasts for days, weeks, and even whole seasons. So nowadays that's coal, oil, and gas. But what if there was a way to take the energy from renewables, from cleaner sources of fuel, and store that long-term too? Those are the kinds of problems that Bill and Serena are working on. Let's talk about uh, fundamental principles. I know that most basic batteries have two electrodes Mm -hmm. and an electrolyte, which is like battery acid in the middle. yeah. And one of those electrodes is positive and one is negative. Yeah. And the negative is called a cathode. The negative is called an anode. The negative is called an anode and the positive is called a cathode. A cathode is positive. Mm -hmm. An anode is negative. How are the batteries that you're building different or similar to what we understand as our basic battery today? So all of the technical terms that you've used there um, are are the ones that we we use as well in in modern day lithium-ion batteries. And so you have to have this combination of materials that are each doing a very specific role, okay? So you should have something that's part of that cathode that likes accepting electrons so Mm -hmm. we use transition metals to be able to do that if you are making an electrolyte you want to have something that is electronically insulating so what are we doing that's different today is current electrolytes are based on liquids they're quite flammable and there's lots of there's potential safety issues with these when you move to very high voltages So one of the things that we're exploring is, can we remove that liquid electrolyte and replace it with a very safe ceramic that is is safe to use at elevated temperatures that Uh could potentially go to very high voltages and is inherently very, very safe. And you picture it as being quite stationary on a microscopic level or an atomic level, lithium ions are actually mobile and moving through it. And some of the the, the inroads we're making, yeah. they're approaching the kinds of lithium mobilities that you get in liquid electrolytes, which okay. is hugely exciting. On the cathode side... Which is made of metals. Which is transitional, transitional metals, metals like cobalt. Yes. Which is kind of bad to mine. We don't want to be digging cobalt out of the earth. That is very true. Yeah. We rely very heavily on... Uh, elements that are quite scarce. Yeah. Um, there's there's huge challenges around critical elements in lithium-ion batteries, particularly cobalt, like you mentioned. There's the ethical concerns around the mining of cobalt. The invasion of, of, of Ukraine in the last year has led to huge increases in the price of nickel, for example. And that's another metal that we rely on heavily in modern-day uh, lithium-ion cathodes. So one of the things that we're, we're doing today and and scientists around the world are working on this how do we get the same performance out of a material that no longer relies on these sort of critical elements can we move to more earth abundant alternatives so instead of relying on things like cobalt or very high nickel content can we move to things like iron or manganese which are much more earth abundant one of them for example would be lithium-rich, manganese-rich materials where you're getting potentially very, very high energy densities. The challenge for all the students in the audience is how do we make these very, very stable? How do we retain their performance over quite long lifetimes so that we get all of the benefits of moving to a more sustainable chemistry, but we don't lose out on performance? Ah, so the batteries being as quality 
in charge. Delivering that sort of high yes. energy density for a very long lifetime. That's tough because consumers have very, uh, they have a lot of battery opinions. I think you know? range anxiety is something range that... Range anxiety! <laughs> Yes. I mean, we've talked about the chemistry, right? You know, we've, we've got huge opportunities yeah. in terms of developing chemistries. What has to go so, hand in hand with that, of course, is an infrastructure to support that. So Do that, you think we as consumers, though, need to shift and stop being so demanding of our energy needs? I mean, I think it's a really interesting point. When you look at cities that have moved to pedestrianized areas, for example, like if you look at London, there's uh, congestion charges for driving into the center of London. The idea that you don't have to drive everywhere, this is something that I think yeah. is, wor is definitely worth considering. And how do we move to maybe uh, uh, electric bikes, um, public transport, so not every single individual drives a car to work every day. But again, All of that requires infrastructural change and then policy change that will drive it. But that will require long-term storage solutions. You see, renewables like solar and wind are really good at generating electricity for the grid. But we haven't figured out a way to store that energy and ship it around the world with the same ease as oil and gas and coal. One idea that Bill is exploring is ammonia the same stuff found in cleaning products and fertilizers. And last year, he co-founded a company called Sunborn Systems that's looking to convert combustion engines to run on ammonia. Ammonia uh, is actually uh, the second most produced chemical in the world. It takes 2% of the world's energy. And it turns out that, chemically speaking, ammonia could be used as fuel. The problem is that the way we manufacture ammonia today depends on methane, a known fossil fuel. Bill broke it all down for me. Right, okay, so methane, uh, gas. Do the British say methane? Yeah, we yeah. say methane. You say, okay, but... I do. I want to make sure you got the right molecule, actually, so... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's CH4? Correct. <gasps> okay. I can't believe I remember that! Right, at, at this point, you're going to take over, actually, okay, so... <laughs> right, okay, so now all the energy, actually, in, uh, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're putting your gasoline in the tank, yeah. it's actually breaking bonds to make the energy. The simplest one to think about is methane, because yes. it's got four CH bonds. There is nothing magic about hydrogen. What's magic is the bond. Oh. Okay, so I'm going to do a, you know, you're going to have to guess this one, actually, because okay. I got, I've got CH4. It's like a game. It's a game, yep. Yes. And actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the carbon atom out. Okay. And I'm going to put the nitrogen atom in. Which is? Ammonia. Known as the Haber process, this is how ammonia is industrially produced around the world today. By combining nitrogen molecules with hydrogen molecules from methane, a fossil fuel, so it's not a green process at all. But what if that hydrogen ingredient came from water? And what if those water molecules were split using the electricity from renewables? That would make the ammonia process greener because it wouldn't require carbon atoms. This is a problem Bill thinks is worth solving for the future of long-term energy storage. For him, that means working closely with people from the places where wind and solar energy hold the most promise. The continents of Australia, Africa, South America, and in parts of the U.S. in the Southwest. Pretty much at every longitude in the tropics. So they're the ones who are going to be producing the most solar and a lot of wind energy. Uh, and already there are plans to ship ammonia from Africa, from Australia, from elsewhere, traded around the world. And um, what we need to be able to do is equity. And it's not just on the shores, our shores, your shores. We need to make sure that, uh, you know, the people, you know, in Africa get a fair chance of doing the deal. 
Yeah, I want to talk about this because... You know, there's designing and discovering, but then there's actually deploying. And it took hundreds of years to get to the energy storage solutions we have now, but we have a matter of decades mm. to address this climate crisis. What kind of thinking is necessary in science to actually make this storage solutions you're describing equitable? Serena, how do you think about the equity question as a scientist? Yeah, well, I, I guess... I guess one of the things we have to recognize is an awful lot of the research that I get to carry out, and, you know, I love my job. Yeah. Uh, it's funded through public money. So every discovery I make is co-created with the public. And so anything I do has to bring some benefit to the public. It's hugely important that we are able to communicate what we're doing in our labs, the sorts of discoveries we're making, how that will be deployed to people's benefit, and I think, you know, if, 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 if we're considering what an, a fair and equitable future looks like and what a just transition to net zero looks like, it does have to benefit all members of our society. And when you mention policymakers and politicians, I think it's, it's a hugely collaborative piece of work that's ahead of us that scientists and engineers do have a, a role to play in. But it's, it's, it's something that everybody in society has to be a part of. And I think we have to feel like we all have ownership over it. I'm optimistic about the future, actually, and I do believe that we can do it, but we have to be honest about what we can do and what we can't do, and we're being steered in the wrong directions by powerful forces. We also need to make sure that we actually do it globally, yeah. uh, and there's tensions there, but uh, uh, you know, don't forget Africa. Bill Davis and Serena Cousin, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I think spaces like this at AAAS are just the thing you're describing, so thank you so much for talking to me, and thank you for being such a great audience. It's been great to have you all. Thank you. Special thanks to Alex Drewenskis and Carly Strange for their audio engineering, and to Lisa McAvoy, Maya Johnston, and the AAAS staff for their support. Today's episode was produced by Burley McCoy. It was edited by managing producer Rebecca Ramirez and fact-checked by me, Emily Kwong. Our senior director of programming is Beth Donovan, and the senior vice president of programming is Anya Grundman. I'm Emily Kwong. Catch you later. Bye. This message comes from EarthX. This April, the EarthX 2024 Congress of Conferences is the sustainability summit you won't want to miss. Five days of conferences covering the built environment, the natural environment, e-capital, oceans, and conservation. EarthX brings together business executives, nonprofits, and educators to engage in powerful conversations about energy, tech, media, and beyond for one important mission protecting the planet. Please join them and register at earthx.org. There's a new way to support this show and public media. Please consider signing up for the NPR Plus Podcast Bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free shows and bonus episodes. You can find out more at plus.npr.org. And thanks.